0: You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi there, welcome to episode 97 of The Music Room. In today's episode, I am going to just do a really quick little podcast episode about different lessons that I have learned so far as an arts administrator. All right, so before we begin, I want to apologize because it has been quite a while since I podcasted. My goal was to do this every two weeks, and it's been longer than that. I'm sorry about that. As I've stepped into this new position, it's been a little bit challenging to kind of get into a new routine and kind of figure out when I'm doing what. And I'm getting there, (laughs) but it's taken a little while. So like I said, I have a new role Now I was teaching elementary music for the last 24 years and now I am the unified arts curriculum supervisor for my district which has been so enjoyable on so many levels and one of the things that I am now doing that I really love is doing building visits where I'm going out and observing people teach and this isn't just music this is anybody who's unified art so at this point my role is k-12 mostly music and art, but also I'm supporting health and PE teachers, world language teachers, family and consumer science, high school theater, high school business, high school industrial technology. And hopefully I'm not forgetting anyone, but pretty much, yeah, anything that's considered a unified art, I'm supporting them. So like I said, one of the things I'm doing is to go out to talk to individual teachers, and in some cases also watching them teach just if that lines up well with their schedule and with my schedule, which has been great. So I'm going to share five different lessons that I've learned so far from teachers, from Unified Arts teachers. wanted to share it with you just in case it was something that you could use as well. All right, so one of the lessons I've learned is the value of callbacks. So these are like the call and response teaching routines that you may have seen or you may have used yourself. For example, I've now seen two different teachers use a callback that goes class, class. So the teacher says class, class, and then the class says yes, yes. So instead of doing like, which is kind of that typical, you know, way to get a student's attention and then everybody echoes it back, they're doing a callback. So class class yes yes is one that I've seen. I've also seen another I want to say it was like like from an insurance commercial like maybe farmers insurance like the teacher sings we are farmers and then the class sings bump but bump, bump 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 or something like that right whatever that commercial is. So there are tons of callbacks out there and in the show notes I can link to, I'm sure I can find a blog post that has a bunch of different examples of different callbacks that you can use. You could make it musical, you could make it not musical, but it's just a nice way to get students' attention. One that I did wasn't exactly a callback; it was just instead of clapping, ta ta ti ti ta, I would go ch 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 and the students would all echo me. And sometimes I would change it up a little bit and do like ch 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 or something like that, or. Or something like that and they would have to echo me but watching an actual callback being used and successfully has been cool to watch so just something to check out if you want to check out the callbacks that i just talked about i will leave them in the show notes if you go to aileen's and then click on podcasts then you'll find the show notes for this episode all right the second lesson that i've learned there is a really cool website teaching tool called site I watched a middle school choir director use this. So after she did some like routines, opening routines and warm ups, then she did a couple exercises from Sight Reading Factory. And it was such a nice way to encourage students to really be reading music using solfege. So when I went and saw her, she had just stopped putting the soulfish up there. So I think in Sight Reading Factory there's like a way for you to show the soulfash, like the D, the R, the M, like underneath the notes and the students sing from that. But then you can also remove it so that they have to just use their reading skills to figure out what the sulfa are. And this is a paid tool to use it fully, but it's like $35 a year. So it's pretty affordable. And I thought this was such a great way like I said to instill and just foster those literacy skills and it can be just this quick little like the way that this teacher used it it was just a quick little she did two exercises from sight reading factory they read through it and then they were on to rehearsing their music so definitely something to check out if you teach elementary choir middle school choir high school choir whatever you teach um and there might also I didn't look into whether there's like a band aspect to it but just something to look into All right, third lesson that I have learned is watching students lead rehearsals. So student-led rehearsals can be really powerful, I guess would be the lesson. So I watched a middle school band director It was actually funny. It was the first time that she had ever done this in her class, but I would not have guessed that because I felt like it was so smoothly run. She was holding conferences one-on-one with students while she was having students lead the rehearsal. So she had a whole system that she had taught them. So they knew what to do. They knew who was going in what order. They knew which pieces from the book they should rehearse. And then a student would be up there either just conducting with their hands and saying like, one, two, ready, go. And then the students would come in and play that piece. Or in some cases they had like a way, almost like a metronome, but like a way to keep the beat loudly so everybody could hear. But the connections I saw that students make, like I think those bigger ideas of rehearsal technique where students begin to realize what makes an effective conductor And why one conductor is easier to follow than another conductor? And what do you need as a musician to be successful? Because I heard students having conversations with each other or with the conductor where they'd be like, Can you count off, please? Or can you be louder when you count off? Or, Hey, I think you should take that slower. Like they were helping each other out. And it was just really cool to see. And then the Band director was able to, like I said, have individual conversations with students. So just something to think about. Like if you have, I think, especially middle school and high school, but maybe even upper elementary, if you train them in just the right way and model what it looks like to rehearse, then maybe you could, you know, step off to the side and do something else with a student or have an individual conversation or whatever that might be. And then, like I said, they're learning those rehearsal techniques. They're thinking about what they need to be successful as a musician. Really cool. All right, fourth lesson that I've learned is I've learned a little bit about strategies for English language learners, which in my district now they're just using the acronym EL instead of ELL, but I've also heard it called ESL. So your students for whom English is not their first language. We have a big influx of students right now in my district who are E L. A few things that I've learned about this. I sat through some professional development about it and my colleague talked to some high school teachers about how you don't need to know the language in order to teach students who are EL, especially because you might have like several different students with different backgrounds. Maybe some of them, their first language is Spanish. Some of them, their first language is Portuguese. Some of them, their first language is Swahili. Like you don't, you know, there's a big range of languages that could be in any one classroom. But by using techniques that are helpful to all students, regardless of what their first language is, they can be more successful. So I watched A friend of mine teach elementary music to a class that had several EL learners and some things that she was doing, first of all, she was really speaking like slowly and deliberately, which I thought was great. And she was also like doing a lot of gesturing. So instead of just saying, we are going to sit, she would like make a motion with her hands to show sitting or we are going to stand and then she would make a motion with her hands to stand and I found that really helpful and she also like went ahead and addressed like we have some students in this room for whom you know English is not their first language so we're going to be patient you know so I thought that was cool that she addressed students and was teaching empathy to all the students about you know having patience with our friends in the room who don't speak english as their first language but something else too that i learned from a colleague is this system of like at least in the state of ohio where students are given levels, like one, two, three, or four. So one would be their newcomer. So they're new to English and they're new to learning in English. And then four would be those students that maybe you don't even know are English learners. Maybe you'll see it in their writing, but you don't necessarily recognize that when you're talking to them. And that students who don't have a formal education, or they have like a you know limited formal education, they're going to move through those levels one through four a lot slower than students who do have a formal education so just keeping that in mind you might have a student who stays at a one or a two for quite a while because maybe they're from a war-torn area where their parents didn't feel comfortable sending them to school so just thinking through that having patience with the process and also one thing that I thought was really helpful was we think of translation as like a great tool for students who are EL and it can be but she talked about if a student is at a level one which you might have a system at your school district where you could look this information up to see which level they're at we have website that we use or you could talk to the EL specialist or the EL teacher at your school to see what level they're at but they really should only be using translation or you should only be giving them translation tools when they're at a level one. If they're at a level two or three or four, it's not really helpful to them to keep using those translation tools and I don't just mean like a translator sitting in the room, but like there are some really helpful translation tools and I think I actually have a list of those so I could put those in the show notes as well. Those are helpful to students who are at a level one but past then it's not super helpful. It's much more valuable to teach them in English and do other strategies with them, otherwise they're getting the message that they don't need to learn English and also that they can't learn English. If we keep giving them information in their native language. So thinking through where is this student at and what tools should I be using I thought was uh, really helpful. And then the last lesson that I have is simply that joy matters. I have seen several lessons where students were just so full of joy and it definitely made me miss teaching music seeing that just seeing students with huge smiles on their faces and singing joyfully, but just having, you know, I think sometimes we get so busy and we're so overwhelmed that we can forget how important it is to be joyful with our students so just taking a minute when you're teaching to really think about how much you love teaching and how much you appreciate these students and how thankful you are to be their music teacher and also just like leaning into the joy of a particular singing game or a particular song it's just a really nice reminder that that's why we do what we do right joy first all right so i hope that was helpful for you like i said just a quick little episode about some lessons that I've learned as an arts administrator, I'm going to talk about what I'm consuming. All right, so there is a book Called Behind Their Screens. The full title is Behind Their Screens What Teens Are Facing and Adults Are Missing. And it's by Emily Weinstein and Carrie James. And it is all about the impact of technology on kids today, mostly teenagers, maybe preteen, some, but mostly teenagers. And what I really appreciate about this book is I feel like so often we talk about the negative impact of technology and how students are on, um, you know, kids are on their phones too much, students are on their iPads too much, and it's detrimental, and they're cyberbullying. And you hear this message over and over and over again. And for sure, there are negative impacts to technology. And you know, the book is not saying that there isn't any kind of negative impact, but the book really explores like all of the nuances of technology with teenagers and how there are some positive impacts and there are some negative impacts. But how to navigate that? Because technology is here to stay. It's not something that's going to go away. And a message that I keep hearing in the book is that like teens feel like they keep getting told to put away their phones and that the phones are like, you know, evil or something, right? Technology is evil. And like i said there are some positive uses for technology so it's like it's hard for them because they feel this pressure to constantly put away their phone but then they from you know adults but then they feel this pressure from their friends to keep their phones out because that's how so many of them are connecting but it's totally worth the read i am actually listening to the audiobook which has been great but however you prefer to consume a book i would highly suggest it. As a parent, it's been really interesting for me to read, but also just as someone in education and thinking about how we can leverage technology and just factors to consider when we are teaching students. All right, so that's it. Thank you so much for your patience and me recording this episode, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye!